Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the podcast segment of the show that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for the 444th show is Dr. Larissa Cat Tracy, professor of medieval literature at Longwood University, who will be talking to us about the topic, were the Vikings brutal and bloodthirsty, or was there just some misunderstanding? Our history buffs are Jay Swords and Rick Sweet. Rick, since you are the heartless American capital historian, uh, you may start off. I bleed money. <laughs> exactly. You'd make a great Viking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cat, uh, you mentioned in the broadcast version, uh, uh, Bison Boy. Uh, were you yes. familiar? I don't know if Virginia knows about this, but he is from Des Moines, Iowa, and he has been uh, a hot, he's had hospitality in Washington D.C. since uh, the time of the insurrection uh, in the jail there, and he's complaining about being treated poorly. And most Iowans really don't care. <laughs> and in fairness, nobody should, because no. honestly, um, I don't know where he thought he was getting his fashion choices. Um, his tattoos do resemble something that could approximate an understanding of something vaguely Norse that he probably Googled. But otherwise, <laughs> that's falling. <laughs> He, he learned it from the internet. That should yeah. be all. All Vikings learned to conquer. All Vikings learned to conquer the world from Google. Yeah. I mean, come right. on. Uh, yeah. He probably yeah. saw yeah. what he probably saw. Um, there's a, there's a film that is that is basically two Vikings shitting in the woods. Um, <laughs> it's called. I, I think it's called Severed Ways, yep. and it is literally that. It is two Vikings, and they are at one point literally shitting in the woods. That is it. Yes. Well, he's sitting in jail, and we support the D.C. police 1,000%. Oh, hell yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And I am all for throwing dumbasses like that in jail. Lock yes, them up. Yes. Lock them up. Yes, okay. Yes. Back to our okay. history. Jay, you got a question. Oh, uh, man, I'll tell you what. We're, unfortunately, we, we hopefully we'll get sued, so he'll take umbrage. But, uh, Kat, I do have a question to start <laughs> off Uh well, I was gonna. I was gonna say that I also am an expert on treason. So you know, if he wants to sue, um, <laughs> let's talk about treason. <laughs> <laughs> we may have you back to talk about treason. All right, Booker again, Dave. Write her down for some calendar we time could do on that. treason. Yes, it's book, uh, Booker Dan- Dano. That's what you were right. supposed to say. <laughs> Kathy, uh, uh, the Vikings were they just the Danes and the Nor? Uh, Norwegians uh, were the Swedes involved in in uh, uh, raiding and uh, bloodletting and brutality and all these other things. Oh, absolutely! And I mean the the idea of the quote unquote Scandinavian raiders, the Bay Raiders. Um, you have Norwegians, you have Yeats, which is southern Sweden. You have Frisians, you have Utes, you have Danes, you have. Saxons, all of the people who showed up in England in during the fifth century migration of people, you know, they all engaged in the raiding parties after a certain point in the eighth, ninth, tenth centuries. It's by and large Norwegians and Icelanders, partly because Iceland, again, it was an island, and they needed 
stuff. I mean, this is a this is a an, an island country and an island nation that at some point in time killed a shark, realized that they couldn't eat it when it was fresh because it was toxic, buried that shit, and a year later went back and said, "Huh, okay, it doesn't kill us now. Let's eat it. It's called mackerel." <laughs> And if you go to Iceland today, they will serve it to the tourists. It is now down to Wow. It is rotted shark. But as a consequence, I mean, when you have, I mean, when you have a society that has no, I mean, they have limited wood resources. They have, um, you, they could grow certain things. They could, they could raise livestock. But everything else they needed to either produce or steal. So a lot of the accounts of, quote-unquote, Viking raiders, they're either Norwegians or Icelanders. Um, but that doesn't mean there weren't also Danes, Swedes, Frisians, um, and, of course, the Normans. I mean, that's a variation from Norsemen, and the Normans were originally Normans. They were Norsemen. They were some of these Scandinavians who settled in the north of France. So... You know, they, you could have everybody. It, it didn't matter in terms of ethnicity. If you, if they liked you and they didn't kill you and they didn't sell you on, or they didn't just steal your stuff, you might be able to join them. Jay, Ken, I want to go back to the the literature end because I think we also, in the modern world, because there are so many TVs and YouTubes and whatever that that there's just this this gigantic amount of uh, Norse literature that's floating around, and and that that just isn't isn't the case. Um, if you take Iceland's literature specifically out of play, there there just isn't that much to work with. So, can you talk a little bit? You mentioned earlier Snorri Snorrelson, who has one of the best names in the world. Um, Snorri Sturluson, yes, I love him. Right, I love that name. But anyways, can you talk a little bit about? how this tr- tradition got got um, passed on and, and, and how much of it is really concentrated in a, in a very few number of hands in terms of well, authors creating. Well, part of it is the, the interest in recording the past, or at least recording their variation of the past. And because of its origins, as a, it was a settled island. I mean, when the, when the Norwegians who showed up in Iceland got there, there's only like a handful of Irish monks who took one look at them and buggered off because they're like, hey, we came here for isolation. Go away. Never mind. We'll leave. And so that settlement is, they literally found an island that was more or less uninhabited, and they built a very complex society that recognized the need for laws and the need for a system to avoid violence and bloodshed bloodshed. And, you know, there are a lot of blood feuds there. The sagas record the I kill one of yours, you kill 12 of mine. But there's also compensation, this idea of where guilt that gets handed back and forth um, in these family sagas. There was this pronounced interest in recording the early settlement histories of the main families of Iceland. And so in the 12th century, these things are written down. And so the large body of sagas, there are a bunch of different kinds of sagas. So you have like Fronaldr saga, which are the legendary sagas. That might be like the the Norse equivalent of King Arthur and Sigurd and Brunhild. Well, there's a German version too. It's the Nibelinalid, and it's the same story, but they make them knights. Um, 
so you have the Fornaldr saga, you have the Riddarar saga, which are the story of knights. It's actually like Arthurian Icelandic texts. Some of them survive in Norway. You have the Islandaga saga, which are the sagas of Iceland. And that's the family sagas. And they were just recording their own culture and their own history. They embellished stuff, absolutely. They have their legendary heroes like we do, like the British did, like the French did. And it's because you have a literate, autonomous country. Until the 13th century, Iceland does not have a king. Iceland has a series of chieftains who exercise power at a general assembly. And they they just they dispute and argue the law in the Thingvetler, which is the Valley of the Thing, which is actually um, where the Mid-Atlantic Rift is. And they would debate these unbelievably complex legal cases, and it depends on whether you could get support from this person or support from this person. But the influence of the Icelanders was extraordinary because they go from Iceland to the Orkney Islands. They go from Iceland to Ireland, but the Norwegians are in Ireland as well and in the Isle of Man. And because they kind of spread out, they take their stories with them and they bring stories back and then they write them down. Okay. Um, one quick question there for you, uh, which we didn't exactly get a chance to do in the last show, but I'd like to throw it at to you now. Um, why do you think knowing about the reality of the Viking lifestyle and their their history, um, especially Norse history, is relevant in today's world. Well, I think it goes back to that original point about how do you combat the appropriation of the medieval history by white supremacist Nazis and general arseholes is because the more you know about it, the less romanticized you can make it, the less you can glorify in this idea of a whites only violent culture that justifies your own atrocities. And understanding how people moved in the Middle Ages and how much they interacted is really important for understanding that we are not necessarily superior to medieval people. Modern society likes to look back and, and claim that, well, we're far more civilized. We have vaccines, not that everybody will take them. But, you know, we're far more civilized. We have law. We have culture. We have civilization. We have medicine. Well, they had that in the Middle Ages, too. And they just didn't have all of the technology we have. But half the reason we can have what we've got is because it started earlier. And so understanding that Vikings were not just mindless, brutal savages killing whomever for the sake of it is important for understanding how complex trade routes were, how complex the exchange of people and ideas and religion and literature and cultural material goods. I mean, the, the medieval world was much broader than just Western Europe. It was much more diverse. It was much more interesting. It was, there was a greater texture to all things medieval. And if we could look at that and see our own myopathy, how, how narrow-minded we are in assuming our own superiority, perhaps we could pull our heads out of our arses. Okay. Well, okay. We have a little more time. We'll give Rick. You got another question quickly? Well, I think I think uh, Kat answered what my question was, and, and it was literally to go after the 
the title. Are they misunderstood or are they brutal and bloodthirsty? And I, I think you explained that they are as brutal and bloodthirsty as we are uh, domestically and internationally. And the Russians and the, uh, can't think of any, but oh yeah, the Chinese. Uh, yeah. So is, is that, are we, we've just misunderstood the Vikings is what you're saying. Hell, the Jim Crow South. Uh, we don't have to go that far. Jay, you got something? <laughs> Well, I was I was going to say that, well, you're exactly right. I mean, you think about the fact that the Confederacy appropriated their misinterpretation of chivalry in order to justify, you know, enslaving an entire population of people. And then the Ku Klux Klan, there's a reason they call themselves knights, because they see themselves as chivalric knights defending white womanhood and white supremacy. But it's based on their reading of medieval knighthood some of which is actually there, but some of which they have simply interpreted to suit their own ends. But if the Middle Ages is brutal, what does it say about the people who want to behave the same way? Well, we would like to thank our guest for the 444th show, Dr. Kat Tracy, professor of medieval literature at Longwood University, who talked to us about the topic, were the Vikings brutal and bloodthirsty, or was there just a misunderstanding? The History Bus for today's show were Jay Swords and Rick Sweet. You can listen to ROIs. It's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.